0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam from the Back Patio Network, and as always, I am joined by
1: Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com.
0: Man, we are bringing everybody episode 75. That is insane to me. I mean, I know it's not like, you know, episode 100 or like 52, which is like a year's worth of episodes, but 75 feels like a big number,
1: you know? It does, and you know, it didn't really even strike me that we were on 75 until you had said it, and I think part of that is because we did so much relative to our normal pacing in March, that 75 just kind of snuck up on us. Like, even if we wanted to plan something special, what we really did was make episode 74 kind of special with the MHA 3K.
0: It's true. 74 is a special episode, too, though. You know what? Like, numbers don't mean anything.
1: Yeah, they're all (laughs) arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> and we got a lot of really positive feedback on MHA3K. Um we, we actually had two different people in our Discord independent of one another. Uh Queen Jess and Omega both recommend that maybe uh folks that are a little bit more familiar with what's coming up next might give us a little clues like, hey, you might want to f- consider doing that format for the the next episode, giving us a little bit of heads up on maybe some some bigger episodes with some more significant happenings and getting our live takes on those in that format. They both really enjoyed that. I haven't heard a negative word about it. Um, if you have negative words about it, just, you know, keep them to yourself because (laughs) we, we really (laughs) had fun with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, I think that we should go ahead and get started. Uh, let's talk about episode 89, all hands on deck class one. A we've been waiting long enough to talk about this season. I'm pretty freaking excited.
1: Yeah. And, uh, so if you're, Coming here again, and you want to hear us do this kind of live, even as we're watching commentary style for this episode. That is the AMP 74. Uh, but we're back to two episodes at a time, so we're covering 89 and 90, the only two uh, episodes that we have for season five. And this one picks up the day after uh, Endeavor's big fight with the high end Nomu. When we were recording 74, I couldn't remember what the special designation for that particular Nomu was, but it's high-end. I, I can't remember if I heard it again or read it again in the uh, anime or, or caught it in the manga, but high-end, it's a fancy Nomu. Bigger boy.
0: Yeah, that Nomu was pretty insane, and he seemed like to be so much more intelligent than the Nomus that we've seen, and even way more advanced than the what we believed to be Nomus and Vigilantes, so that was uh, it's pretty crazy to see like him in full swing again, you know?
1: Yeah, and that fight is super awesome. I mean, there's a, probably a good three or four minutes of episode 89. That is just that fight all over again. Um, and we're, we're probably not going to spend too much time if any time on it in the coverage for this episode in, in this episode of the AMP, because we covered that in episode 46, I think of, um, of our podcast. So if you want to hear us dish on that just go re-download 46 and give it a watch, it's a thousand percent worth a rewatch um, that episode of the anime. That's the season four finale. If I recall correctly,
0: yeah, um, I think it is.
1: So you know, definitely consider it some some homework from the AMP. They give you a, a good a good tasty morsel of it in episode eighty nine, but the full fight is amazing. It so really it definitely is. worth re- revisiting.
0: Incredibly animated. Um, but you know, it's kind of interesting because that fight ends and like Endeavor is pretty wrecked at the end of that fight. You definitely think that he's going to be down for the count for a little while. Uh, but we see the students talking in class one, a, and they ask Todoroki, you know, like, Hey, how's your dad doing? And he's like, ah, he's not in really serious conditions or anything. And then he gets out two days later. So it, I mean like either he heals really quickly, which is totally possible. Or maybe he had like, I guess probably like a, well, what's her name? Nurse lady. Oh, uh,
1: uh yeah, recovery girl.
0: Recovery girl, thank you. Yeah, and she <laughs> was there.
1: <laughs> she was I, there. I can't remember if it was in the manga or in the anime, but she's definitely okay. depicted bedside for Endeavor. And plus, you know, like I believe that this is supposed to take place somewhere in the future anyway, so maybe medical science itself is uh is you know, better. Maybe than they've what got we those have.
0: like uh, to pods or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, they, they're, the students of 1A are sitting around in the, in the classroom before their homeroom teacher, Aizawa, Beizawa, as we refer to him here in the AMP, uh, comes in and Kirishima is remarking about how manly Endeavor was, cause that's his thing. And Ururaka and Hagakure are talking about Hawks because they think he's dreamy. And, uh, you had mentioned that some of the other students, Midoriya and Ida uh, kind of check in with Todoroki, see how his dad's doing. and. Todoroki isn't immediately dismissive about it, doesn't shut him down, doesn't shut him up. Um, Mineta even goes so far as to ask Todoroki, you know, say, you know, you could be proud of your dad, huh? And immediately, like, you almost get the sense that everybody in the class freezes to see, like, how Todoroki is going to respond to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Static is in the air, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's tension that could be cut with a very sharp object. Um, but Todoroki, you know, he's just like, yeah, that's true. They, we We've seen him progress, come a very long way with Uh, the relationship that he, the dynamic that exists between him and Endeavor. And we see that fleshed out even more in episode 90 when we get to that.
0: Yeah, episode 90 was really great for his, a little bit of his advancement in his storyline here. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. But these kids are not able to talk for long because Aizawa pops in and he, he's explaining to them like, look, you're officially licensed for the most part to be able to use your quirks to protect society, you know, fight villains if you need to. You guys are able to, except for the two of you that are pretty much in remedial glasses, like you guys are still having to catch up. So you two don't do that, but everyone else be ready you guys have got to be prepared for this kind of stuff and then of course the alarm goes off and there's like an automated bot that comes on the uh speaker saying there's a villains on class uh not class 1a on ua's property and so everyone's got to get their suits and get ready and go it's kind of weird we we mentioned it in episode 74 their suits are like stored in the classroom and then they have to take them to a locker room it seems like it's really ineffective almost
1: yeah, it's it's inefficient for sure. And you know, when this when this alarm goes off, it says that villains have infiltrated UA, and I immediately thought back to uh, em- emergency exit EDA. I th- I was kind of hoping for a little callback. Oh that. yeah, we yeah. We didn't really get it, but I was hoping for it. Um, and then you had said that everybody is told to respond, but that is not true. It specifically says one A is requested to respond. And right, could you just imagine being like, uh, you know, Monoma and. In- in class one B and just being so already burdened with like a, a frustration that class one a gets all of the things. And then you hear this, like, it seems like it's a school wide alarm. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just inside of this room. Um, but it was funny to me to just think of people in one B tetsu, 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 and, and some of these other guys here and all right, class one, a, we need you to come take care of this. And class one B just being like, <laughs> Oh, not again. Like they're they're doing algebra. Yeah, yeah, that's right. See, what I like
0: to think is that they don't even get the alarm systems. Like, there's not one in their room. They just hear the echo of it from down the hall,
1: you know? (laughs) (laughs) They have all the fun. Now, we're talking about Jarens. They're out there kicking ass.
0: Right. (laughs) This is where
1: we get the uh, the well-worn recap of quirks and, you know, quirk... Society, 80% people, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, it is attended with some new visuals that very strongly feature Endeavor, um, and the class is suiting up kind of behind them. The phrasing on it did change, though. There are twice, actually, um, in the course of Midoriya's kind of voiceover of the explanation of the setting for, for, the, um, for My Hero. He says, it used to be, if I recall correctly, this is the story of how I became the greatest hero uh, but now it's, he says, this is how we became heroes. And that language has shifted a little bit.
0: I like that. It shows them growing as like a class together.
1: You know, it's it's not just his story anymore. It's their story.
0: It's pretty neat.
1: Yeah. And one of the, I think um, the folks over at Go Beyond have, have talked more than once about how they don't think Midoriya or Bakugo or Todoroki or any of those guys are going to be the greatest hero of all time um, in the future. They think that. There's a really good chance that they're gonna their efforts and the way that they approach heroism in this like team format that they're gonna basically do away with the hero ranking system entirely because so much of the show is you know obviously there are times where some one hero shines a little brighter than the others uh, but it's all very uh, it's it's team oriented it's it's a lot of cooperation um, maybe more so than we typically see the pros engage in. Uh, day-to-day out in the street when, when they're one-on-one, you know, 1v1-ing, you know, soloing villains like Endeavor was, kind of. I mean, he had Hawks there in this particular case, but I thought that that was a really interesting huh, um, thing for them to think about. That
0: Yeah, no, that definitely is. I've not thought of it that way. That's pretty cool. I'm guessing that this uh, sequence of events is also not in the manga, because it's it feels very like, let's catch you up on who these people are, because you haven't seen anything in the last seven months.
1: Yeah, none of this is. Um, there is... Like if you were to like p- put this this episode eighty nine into percents, like maybe two to three percent, a- excluding the stuff that it was the recap of the uh, High end Nomu fight, is actually like uh, from the manga. There, there's the bit at the end um, where uh, basically just the stuff at the end. That's that's functionally it. It's the stuff with Dobby and Hawks. That's it. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, the team montage is actually pretty cool. Like, they split up into these different squads pretty quickly and really efficiently, too. Like, they've definitely been practicing this. You can tell that they were absolutely prepared, and they've all been practicing in their own individual groups because they've got some, like, pretty cool combo moves they come up with, but... They essentially have like a reconnaissance squad and a rescue squad. And then they've kind of, I mean, Bakugo forces a villain squad basically, where he just grabs Kaminari and Kirishima and they go off villain hunting. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. The recon squad is Koda, Jiro, and Shoji. Um, Koda sends birds out to uh, kind of see where there are damaged areas. Jiro jacks in and can hear what she calls intermittent sounds of destruction. Uh, and then Shoji sprouts twenty three extra friggin' eyes from his arms.
0: Yeah, and I have a thought about this too. Like, or at least a note on this. Did you notice how it changed when it showed like his vision to where it was kind of like veiny and like blurry almost?
1: Yeah, and it kind of looked like um, like he zoomed in. Yeah, with one of his eyeballs. Almost. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I wonder if all of them are like that like if all of his senses that he's able to replicate throughout his tentacles like are lessened just a little bit or if they're as sharp to him and that was just how they were visualizing it you know
1: what i mean yeah i don't know i hadn't thought about that that's interesting i, I had until i saw that I, th- I was just like well that's interesting that they would even show it that way you know I, I mean, you'd have to assume that from the distance that they're standing at, his eyes would have to be sharper or able to see further than the naked human eye. Because otherwise, 23 eyes isn't all that much better than the two that you already have. <laughs> that's fair.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, unless you can, like, look behind you, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: that, that would be fine. Like, if he sprouted a couple just to watch his back, but... Other than that, like if they're standard eyes, how is twenty five eyes total better than the two that he comes with standard? I don't It's sure. like almost more, more pokey parts. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's that's yeah. almost a weakness. <laughs> right. Man, could you if Shoji needed glasses or contact lenses? Oh. Like, does that mean that if he sprouts eyes that they also need glasses or contact lenses? Take care of I them, eyes, f- Shoji. Just, I feel like there um, are some, like,
0: weird implications careful. with the contacts, too. You know what I mean? Like, he could store them in weird pouches under the like, skin <laughs> or something. Like, oh, I just that's gross of me not to think about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Momo volunteers to put out the fire, which gets the attention of Kaminari and Mineta, who are... Promptly bunked by Mina. I couldn't tell with what. Still, I have no it idea. Look like but giant tuna
0: cans or that's something.
1: That's what. Yeah, that's what it looked like. <laughs> it's but crazy. I don't know what they were. Um, but she manifests or creates a like a, a horse drawn cart looking thing, and Ida, Todoroki, Sato, Tokoyami, and Aoyama jump on board. They're they're effectively the fire squad here. Um, Ingenium is pulling it. Of course, everybody else is riding in the back.
0: And Ingenium basically drops off. Sue and Mineta and uh, Tokoyami, I think. And along with uh, uh, Todoroki to save someone. And there was a bird that Koda had sent out that reported there was someone in the reviews. Or, or yeah. Someone in the river. So they Todoroki,
1: Tokoyami was there.
0: I thought Todoroki was with them for some reason.
1: Nah, he's with Because at one the point in time, I
0: remember Tokoyami like, riding on Todoroki's back. Like, you know, he's like ice thing.
1: I don't recall that. So this group, the rescue squad is Sue, Mineta... Uh, Sato and Tokoyami.
0: Okay, maybe um, they meet up later or something.
1: Yeah, I mean they all come together kind of at that second fire, right, um, where they all converge. But yeah, someone, somebody, I think one of the birds tells Coda that somebody's in the river, and so Sue actively recruits Manetta. And I was like, what? Nobody's ever done that. <laughs> Nobody's like. Vanetta, well, you're with me. <laughs> she worked really well with him, though. Whenever
0: uh, they were at USJ, remember he she saw his powers yeah, first hand Sticked
1: all those people, so
0: she's kind and of teamed up with him before. You're right; like they've been in this environment before, so it kind of made sense that they would be back together. Especially if they're going to try and save someone, he could create barriers with his his quirk. I'm trying to keep from saying his balls because it sounds weird, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you kind of got to and just laugh afterwards. That's the best yeah. you can do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Todoroki goes to the scene of the first fire, uses his ice uh, to extinguish it. Uh, Mirio is the person who got swept away in the river. Um, It was so so good seeing
0: him, too. Do what? I said it was so good seeing him, too. Oh,
1: yeah. It's great. And so as soon as I saw him, I was like, okay. I assume all three of the big three are here. So which one is the villain? It turns out the other two are both villains, which is pretty cool. But Mirio is straight up enjoying himself. He this episode has hands down the funniest moment in all of my hero, in my opinion. (laughs) And it is it is Mirio taking that like soccer dive dive off of the uh, off of the bridge. Even I've watched it like three or four times now, I laugh out loud every stinking time. <laughs> it's the it face is he makes. So good. It is it's, so funny. He just he puts his hands up in the air. and He's like, "Oh no!" and like <laughs> takes this stage dive. Oh god, it's so funny. But anyway, before we get there, um, so Sukoyami, Sukoyami, yeah, that's um, Sukoyami is uh, Tokoyami's hero name. Uh, and Sato end up throwing Mineta and Sue respectively. Um, they throw Mineta at the bridge. He uses his balls uh, to kind of keep the bridge from further falling to pieces, uh, like you were talking about. And then Sue tongue lashes uh, Mirio to pull him out of the river. And I had mentioned that this was very fastball special-esque in uh, episode 74 of the AMP, the MHA 3K. So I came up with a couple of potential combo names um, for this particular move uh, for these two pairs of people that I wanted to run by and see which ones you liked. So for Tokoyami throwing Mineta... I came up with the combo name Pitch Black. Do you remember Pitch Black Mountain Dew? Uh, Yeah, kind of, vaguely. So the first iteration of that, I think they ended up changing it a little later. But when it first came out, it was a dark purple Mountain Dew that was grape flavored. And you have yeah. Tokoyami throwing Manetta. I like that. That's pretty cool. And Pitch is also, you know, a throw. So Pitch sure. Black. Yeah, um, I like and that. And then for Sato and Sue, I put either Lock and Toad. <laughs> or, or the lily pad launch. Oh, uh, that's really
0: those, good. Yeah, pretty good. Lily, lily pad launch. That's pretty awesome.
1: Good job. Ah, thank you. Maybe if you, uh, you know, if, if you're listening and you, you have some other creative names for that combo, hit us up on the Twitter and the Discord. It's fun naming those combos and coming up with those things. We should do that again sometime soon. We should, like, submit them to the writer. He's got to <laughs> incorporate should. them. That would be fun. <laughs> this is also the scene where it became really... Obvious to me that the way that everybody on, uh, in Class 1a is communicating across this battlefield, um, which was um, beta, I think, was that they were doing so on cell phones, which seems wildly inefficient. Uh, I still hate that particular detail of this episode. It doesn't get any better on second watch through. It's still annoying as hell.
0: Would it be better if they were the cell phones that used to have the like walkie-talkie push-to-talk?
1: Maybe, but that still ties up a hand.
0: Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I feel like especially since we've seen them use like comm systems before, it seems like.
1: Well, maybe maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe the case is that these aren't cell phones, as I understand cell phones to be, but they are, you know, quick two way communicators, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense for Jiro and uh, and Shoji to stay back because they need to continue to provide recon if they have to do so and somebody has to pick up a phone on the other the other end, you know? <laughs> yeah, like they get me fighting the villain and pick up the phone. Yeah, that, that part annoys me. So I'm hoping that we're just wildly misunderstanding how those devices work. But in the midst <laughs> of all that, another explosion draws the Fire Squad's attention. Um, but Momo, Saru, Deku, Ojiro, uh, uh, and Ochako are a lot closer. They weren't originally a part of the Fire Squad, but they become it very quickly. And th- what they do is really cool. I don't remember who says this, but one of them says uh, that thing that we were talking about before. So they have Mina, Sero, and Ochako have discussed, at minimum, this cool move, combo move. Oh, why didn't I take the time to name this? Well, that seems, you know, not very consistent to me. Uh, you could call it, call it the fire putty out special. Yeah, I'll have to think about it. Maybe next episode <laughs> I'll have a better name. But that's going to have to do for now. But uh, what they do is they, uh, Ochako floats Mina, and then Sero sends tape her way uh, to fling her kind of out over and around uh, where this fire is, and then she uses her acid to basically make a fire break, which is super smart. and it was planned. That was super cool. I was very impressed by it was that really move. cool,
0: and Ioyama made it look awesome because he like had fireworks go off in the background because I don't think he did anything like effective. I'm not sure it didn't seem like it. <laughs> well, I
1: have in my notes that at first he appears to just participate only nominally by blasting indiscriminately into the fire, but it actually causes a big building to to collapse and snuff the fire out. so he did a good. It did a good thing. See,
0: I thought that was part of Mina's acid melting things down. Now, so I thought it was just for show. Now,
1: the fire break was out around, um, the like just beyond the the current reach of the fire as a place where as the fire progressed, it wouldn't go any further than that. And then Ioyama gotcha. blasts that building down and it puts it out, which is pretty cool. And then Todoroki. He's all, like
0: puts them all to shame, yeah. really. Well, and he's
1: he was all frustrated because it may be embarrassed or ashamed. He thought that he didn't actually put the first one out. Um, So he definitely like overkills it this time and definitely smothers this one with this like this giant iceberg.
0: Like I'll never forget the time that the USJ happened when, you know, Haga Curry was just like, wow, you did a great job not freezing me. And he's like, oh, I didn't even know you were there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and she's also running around buck naked in this in, in this entire episode. She starts off Absolutely. with her gloves on, but here in just a minute, they're, they're totally... Totally off. And it's it never is not discomforting to me to know that there's a butt naked adolescent running around um somewhere in in, <laughs> in potentially every scene. We're being exposed to uh Aga Kure's nude body, but we can't see it. For all we know, more than one. There may be a villain out there. We don't know. That's true. And you know what's nuts, is like at some point are are they are they going to give her, like, a proper suit? Could they make her a suit that works with her quirk like they did with uh, Mirio's hair suit, which is also gross? Or would it just have yeah, to be I a skin know. suit, which would be terrible?
0: <laughs> I guess it would, because I'm thinking, like, if her quirk has anything to do, kind of like, uh, what's her name, Mrs. Fantastic mm-hmm. uh, from Fantastic Elastigirl. Four. Elastigirl. Like
1: oh, no, Elastigirl. Okay.
0: No, Elastigirl is... Uh, the Incredibles. Uh, you, the Incredibles, yeah. You're yeah, you're talking about Sue Storm. Sue Storm, yeah. So, like... She reflects light around her, and I think she can just make that work around her clothes, too. I thought, or like she makes a suit somehow that does the same thing using like nanotechnology. So I'm surprised that with them having advanced technology, that the uh, what do they name the uh, the the tool class? They're not the tool class, I'm making the stuff support up. class. Thank you. The support class—they make tools. I was close, kind of. Yeah, they use tools. <laughs> they use tools, sure. I don't know. Maybe one of them like could make some nanotech for them, like Iron Man or something. And it would just reflect light around her. Yeah, it'd be cool if she had an invisible mech suit.
1: That would be overkill, but I would love it. That would
0: be pretty cool. Like this, but then nowhere, she would be super rockets. loud.
1: Possibly. I don't know. I think her. Uh, it doesn't matter. I think if if I were Power Loader and and uh, Hagekure came into my my office space and was like, "What you got for me?" I'd have just been like, just. No- nothing like that's what you need is not <laughs> just walk around naked all the time what do you want because even th- the gloves are only there so that we know as the audience as the guy yeah. is standing there somewhere <laughs> that's true that's it they come they're the first thing that comes off um when when uh the fighting starts so anyway <laughs> uh, enough talk about Naked, <laughs> naked teen girls. We're gonna get yes. slapped with an E for explicit just for this conversation right here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a little dark. Yeah,
1: um, Jiro warns of some incoming danger, uh, and it turns out to be Najire. and she says uh, she's kind of hovering over uh, some of these, some of the Class One A folks. and She says there are still villains around, and she uses the word with an S, villains. Um, and she's wearing a shirt that has a number one, and the other villain turns out to be Amajiki, who is wearing a number two, um, and he. I love this part because he comes up and he announces himself. And I just initially, as I was taking the notes for this on first watch, I wrote, tell me he's still imagining them as potatoes. And he does actually say that. He's like, yeah, you know, this potato thing still doesn't just work for me. And he just walks (laughs) off.
0: Yeah, he's just like, I really don't want to be here. I kind of want to go home. And all the class, like everyone that's there is just kind of like, oh, man, well, just go home then. And he's like, "Oh, I can't because then Hato is going to get upset with me. And Mirio really wants me to train you guys and make you the best heroes that you can be. So I guess I'll do my part. And he decides to kind of attack.
1: I like, too, that when he mentions Mirio, Midoriya actually perks up because he wasn't aware yeah. that Mirio was in play at the time.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I didn't even catch on to that. You know, I have a note here, too, about Hato's power. It makes me wonder, like, seeing her float in the air kind of on her, like, platform-esque things and, like, project her power. It made me think about, like, what if Pop Step trained really hard like we've seen Koichi do? You know, would she level up and maybe have, like, a Hato-esque power? It'd be kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I do have a, an interesting, uh, like, teacher-protege kind of pairing that I'll bring up at the, uh, at the beginning of episode 90. Um, okay. So let's put a pin in that. But, uh, yeah, Najire is kind of hovering over them, and she's captured Mina in some of that capture tape. Um, that looks a lot like the stuff that Aizawa uses. And she tells everybody not to move. But Todoroki, Tokoyami, and Ida. Are I think out of hearing range when she says this? They're on the other side of that giant iceberg that Todoroki just created. Yeah, um,
0: I definitely didn't think that they that they could hear her at all. Well because she makes a comment about it, like, oh like they move and she's like, I told you not to.
1: Yeah. But then she also, if, in in her defense, she does say, couldn't you hear me? And I wanted to be like, No, there's no way they hurt you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like she looked forever away, so
1: yeah. So she does uh, her move, I'm not even sure exactly what the name of her quirk is. Um, I'm sure it's been remember. said before, but I don't recall it. She just says, full charge, 30%, and shatters all the previous ice. Um, Todoroki has to erect another one uh, to to stop that particular assault. It kicks up this big cloud of dust, and and a pressure wave is generated, and it reaches the bridge where Sue and uh, Mineta and Mirio are standing, and that's where Mirio takes his dive, and it's still... Th- Even just thinking about it so funny, I want somebody, if you're listening to this and you can make GIFs, I want a GIF of Mirio just flopping off of this this bridge so bad. It will be my every profile picture if I can make that work. I feel like the noise he makes would be a really good ringtone, too. Yeah, it's so funny. And then this pisses Minetta off because he's like, this guy's doing it on purpose, isn't he? It's, oh my gosh, it makes me laugh. And then Ida... And- what's funny is he probably is doing it on purpose to teach them a lesson because oh. he saved
0: them and they're just like abandoned him. Like, I guess I think they're probably like, oh, it's Mirio. He's going to stand here. It'll be okay.
1: No, no, he's Not- 100% doing this on purpose. Yeah. And he's he's, teaching them a lesson. he's just having a blast. Like, you, great. you have this spectrum of uh, of the big three where, like, Mirio was like, I'm all in. Let's ham this up. Uh, then you have Najire, who's kind of in the middle, who's like, let's just do what we're supposed to do. And then initially, you have Amajiki, who's on the far other end, who's just like, I just want to go home. But here in a minute, he leans back kind of to where Najiri is when, um, when Midoriya pulls his punch. And then he's just like man, I'm a villain right now. And then just goes hard on Midoriya. Um, He he starts leaning into being a villain. It reminded me too of that time when uh, Ida just loved being a villain during the heroes versus villains, the little touch the bomb thing. That was so much fun to watch.
0: No, it definitely was.
1: This is, uh, I mentioned this in 74 that uh, I wanted to talk about the numbers on their, on their shirts, because one of the things that Jiro and uh, Shoji say is that they need to keep up recon, blah, 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 cell phone, grumble, grumble. Um, but. They one of the things that he says is just in case there there might be other villains and they're numbered 1 and 2 and if if they were numbered 1 and 3 that would be really funny to me if there were just two like i had this idea for a senior prank um that i i had heard somewhere i think it wasn't original to me but you get certain number of pigs say like 4 or 3 <laughs> and you oh, no. uh let them loose in your school but you paint numbers on the side but you skip a number so you have like if you have three pigs you have one two and four and then you let them things loose in the in the school and then they spend all day trying to find number three where the hell is number three um (laughs) so it'd have been really funny if uh if they had the numbers one and three on the villains uh shirts so that they were wondering that whole time if there was a second villain that would have been really fun
0: it would have been even worse if they had Erie as the second villain, you know, like just yeah. out there, like slowly turning people back to babies. Yeah. Well,
1: they, <laughs> they ask, uh, they ask Amajiki what's he, what he wants to do. He just wants to go home, but he can't because, yeah. uh, Najire and Mirio would get all mad at him. Uh, so you got Mirio still spinning down the river. He ends up getting rescued again by, uh, Sue and co, uh, Amajiki morphs into his, like, I guess what is his, his Default loadout clam hands, uh, the wings, the octopus tentacles, and the chicken feet. Um, and I really like Midori and Sero's reaction to that. They're really flattered to be pitted against the big three. Like, these two guys say something along the lines of, it's it's really cool. It's almost like an honor for us to be yeah. fighting these guys.
0: Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. And Ojiro comes out of nowhere and is like totally... It seems like, I mean, just taking control of the situation. I mean, it, it looks pretty awesome. Uh, and in the background, Momo and Achako uh, and manette not Mineta, sorry, Amina have kind of, Amina's been captured, but they, they do this pretty cool combo move with Hagakure where they're able to kind of like pull Najiri down. And then I guess Momo made like a net gun and traps her. It was pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. And Hagakure does um, the My Hero equivalent of the Solar flare. With a warp refraction colon say cheese, which is actually part of the name. I looked that up on the wiki, which is pretty funny. And it makes like a photo shot. I don't know if she's got like an audio box
0: that does that or if she's making that noise. (laughs) Oh, man, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's like a snapshot, like a picture, like a, you know, someone taking a picture on a cell phone or something, but. Yeah, I like. I don't know. I just don't know what's producing it. I don't. <laughs> now that I think about it,
1: I, I like that uh, Ojiro goes on the offensive, and it is slick. It's really it well animated. It's super cool to see him fighting, but he's promptly it's really tentacled. Smooth. It's it's not the kind of anime, but he does get very promptly tentacled.
0: And I'm kind of. I'm gonna talk about it for a second here. I'm a little frustrated with what happens because he's basically freed up Deku to come in for an awesome move, a, a massive hit, and Deku doesn't take it. Like he goes into smash and stops at the last second. And I feel like the only reason that they've done this is to set up Red Riot and Bakugo to come in with like a a big intro. Because to me, I don't know, I feel like Deku is not the kind of like student to just duck out on training. Like he would do this for real. I I feel like all the things that we've seen about him indicates that he would he would have hit amajiki uh but amajiki doesn't let him get away with it he tells him like man you should have followed through i am a villain right now and he he kicks him takes him out and then that's when red riot comes in and it's pretty sweet tell us about it Adkins.
1: well i love too that amajiki actually calls kirishima red riot when he comes flying through the air oh yeah calls him by his hero name which is really cool and he sounds scared about it. He's like, oh crap, Red Riot's here. Like, I'm going to get my butt handed to me. I mean, he's seen
0: what Red Riot can do. They've worked together.
1: Yeah. And I wonder too, if like part of that might be Amajiki thinking, well, wherever Red Riot is, Bakugo will also be. Um, because Maybe, those yeah. those two are besties. But I, I think that you are more correct um, with uh, the, the fact that the, those two were kind of co-workers for a bit. But Bakugo blasts Red Riot um, into Amajiki from a boosted car that Kaminari's got like the battery cables in his teeth, uh, as they've stolen, literally boosted this car, um, and, and are driving it onto the scene. And Kirishima, man, he's drinking that Bakugo Kool Aid super hard because he's like, "Here he comes, the star of the show!" As Bakugo blasts into the area, and his—I like his little quirk. Uh, card thing too, because it says Bakugo hero name undecided. And I wanted to be like, no, he decided what his hero name was going to be. It was just wrongfully rejected because it was too awesome. (laughs) Um, I believe that like at the current time in the manga um, that he has finally decided on a name. Um, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But at the time of the recording of this podcast and where the anime is, his hero name undecided is what it says, and he maneuvers around Amajiki, gets bodied into the ground. Amajiki does, and he's scared um, because Bakugo is a is a scary dude. Um, this is the point where we also see that Sue, for some reason, still has Mirio wrapped up in her tongue. And I asked you in the in the MHA 3K, I was like, why would she still have her tongue around him? She tastes everything, presumably. And do you remember what your response was? Because it made me laugh. No, but maybe he tastes good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he tastes good. <laughs> so that's headcanon for the AMP podcast. Is Mirio. Just tastes good. Um, Bakugo is super pissed because he thinks Amajiki pulled his punch, um, which is the reverse of what Midoriya did with Amajiki. Um, so he just point blank sets off a, a detonation in his face. He says, you're my enemy. Die. Uh, to which All Might just looks at uh, Aizawa and says, just bring Bakugo to the faculty lounge. I imagine he's going to get some demerits or whatever the MHA equivalent is.
0: I see. I feel like they'd call his mom.
1: <laughs> and she'd come down and just like, you know, ring him out. And then, then they would just get into a shouting match, calling each other names. Yeah. Have you I mean, been His watching... dad would have to like, calm him down. <laughs> have you been... Um, have you been watching the original Ninja Turtles series? You know that I have for another podcast. I know
0: that you have, but no, I've I've not been watching it.
1: So he, they, t- I think whoever says, you know, bring Baku to go to the faculty lounge, they send a robot to go pull this capture off. And it looks just like the roadkill Rodneys, which are the little uh, robots yeah. that have like whip arms. Um, yep. Yep. In, uh, in the TMNT stuff. But it was really funny, too, because they all, all uh, several of the guys from 1A walk out of the blast area that Pakago had just created, and then their hair's all sticking up everywhere. And then again, we have uh, Midoriya with this over, uh, this voiceover that says, we will become the greatest heroes one more time before the credits. But the credits aren't the end of this episode, Adam.
0: No, they're not. And I, I want to mention real quick, I liked in that scene, too, that Ojiro's tail was also frizzle fried. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Like, it was just a nice touch. That little
1: tuft. Yeah. He's the, um, the Smeargol, isn't that the Pokemon that has the weird, like, paint? Yes. Tail?
0: Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm telling you. If this was another anime, he'd be a Pokemon.
1: Yeah. I mean, he already is. In this anime, he's a Pokemon. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he's Smeargol, but fighting type. I doubt Smeargle's fighting type. No. I don't know what he is.
0: I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, so before after the uh, the credits roll, we get this uh, awesome scene with Endeavor in, laying in his hospital bed. And he's like, he looks pretty messed up. I mean, he's got all kinds of IVs going into him, and he's very heavily bandaged. His face looks like it's very wrecked. Um, and he's just reliving the end of this fight. You know, it's him standing there with his arm up. Hawks is trying to, like, help him out, get him cooled off and, like, talk him down and figure out what was going on, what happened. And then out of nowhere, Dobby shows up. And we get this scene of him just like, I mean, it looks like it's going to be insane. And then, uh, like, Hawks meeting up with Dobby, and that's pretty much the end of '89.
1: Yeah. And this, you kind of ran right over it, but Hawks meeting up with Dobby, that was big. Like, dude, it was was huge, huge. Yeah. I was
0: like, what I ran right over it because it like picks right up in ninety where we left off. That's I mean true. it's just it's you know it'd be one thing if it was the the big finale, like if that was the it, you know, but you know going into episode ninety, we pick right up with Endeavour laying in the hospital bed reliving the meetup with Dobby. So
1: So <laughs> in at the end of seventy four, you said something along the lines of uh, maybe Hawks is the uh the traitor, and I told you that I had some thoughts on that. My thoughts at the time before I watched episode ninety was like timeline wise, that wouldn't make any sense because they've been talking about a traitor for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then I also thought that uh, I had this this suspicion that Hawks is going to be playing this like double agent role. It didn't make a whole lot of sense at the t- like if you watch eighty nine thinking could he be. Um, and, but they kind of talk around how it is that that could be true. And well, it is true in episode 90. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that particular dynamic plays out because it's, it creates a lot of what is called dramatic irony, where we as members of the audience have more information than certain characters in the television show that we're watching. Um, and so it, it, it will color everything that we see Hawks do and say, regardless of who it's with bad guys or good guys, um, for their presumably for, until this comes out.
0: Yeah, presumably we know more. We, I mean, if there really is a traitor, Hawks may be ousted, right? I mean, like, Dobby may know. And so mm. Shig- Shigaraki may know, too. They may be in on the plan. We don't know how much they know. That's the scarier part. Like, we know from the hero perspective. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I do remember so, thinking, too, at the end of 74, and this is or at the end of um, episode 89. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, how in the world did Endeavor get out of this? How did he get away from Dobby? Um, but that's one of those things where first thing in episode 90, we find out exactly how that how that happens. The short answer is Mirko, who we've talked around and about and and has come up in uh, many discussions in the Discord and on Twitter. And this is kind of it's it's technically I think it's her second time in the anime. I think she was there when they were doing the rankings of the pro heroes in season four.
0: Was she? I at- I don't remember. I feel like this was the first time we saw her. I thought it was weird that we didn't get like an intro, so maybe this is the second time. Yeah, I do I have recall. a note here that you probably are going to hate her, because she's going to be very punny, it seems like. She's basically Lola Bunny from Space <laughs> yeah. Jam, if if the, Lola Bunny the, was a human.
1: The previously sexy version of Lola, of Lola right. Bunny, they, they've de-sexualized uh, her for the newest Space Jam. I, and I
0: noticed that.
1: All the horny boys are upset about it, let me tell you. Yeah. I, I don't count myself among them, to be fair, but it is funny, the argument arguments and the petitions that are generated in our world on the internet about asinine bullcrap, like you made this fictitious animated bunny less sexy
0: (laughs) what the crap it's a little crazy good (laughs) lord the funny thing is is like as she is attacking she's like yeah i heard something was happening so i hopped on over here yeah i'm like she might as well be chewing on a carrot
1: man i know (laughs) i wasn't a big fan of that um, I figured. <laughs> but yeah, the, the beginning of 90, which is called Vestiges, I think he said that, but just in case, um, Endeavor comments that Dobby is the one who Endeavor had heard killed Snatch. Dobby doesn't recall who that was or is, but that's the Sandman guy. I don't guy that,
0: who that is. Who was this?
1: He was the Sandman guy that intercepted um, the League of Villains when they were transporting, or may, maybe he didn't intercept the League of Villains. I think he was part of the transport for, um, for Overhaul. And um, he got killed. He was the guy that was like, you can't burn sand. And then Mr. Compress puts him in the ball when uh, Dobby sets him on fire, basically. And he's just like, he might not burn, but he's in that ball now. And it's going to kill all the oxygen or he he's not. He's only able to turn so much of his body into sand. OK,
0: that. OK, yeah. Yeah, I because I was like, is this something that we're unaware of? Like maybe Endeavor is aware that he killed someone else and I just don't. Like, we don't know this, or did this happen, and I'm just an idiot and don't remember? So yeah, clearly, you just don't remember. I just don't remember, yeah. You, you Smash wasn't that big of a deal, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's cool. In the anime, I had to go back and rewatch watch this, but uh as as Dobby is standing there all threateningly, Endeavor actually tries to turn his fire back on. Um, oh, really? It's very brief. Like, you can see that he's kind of smoking, and then all of a sudden there's this little flash of flame off of one of his shoulders before he tumbles back down onto all fours, and I really liked that. That kind of effort. Um, but Mirko does interrupt Dobby's assault on Endeavor and Hawks. Um, and this is where I had the thought that because it seems to me like she's going to be a very kick-heavy hero, she might be somebody that Midoriya needs to be like, yo, I got shoot style. What's up? Teach totally. me some kick stuff. Yeah, I didn't
0: even think about that. Man, that's a really good point. Like, she seems like someone that
1: could really teach him a thing or two. Yeah, and um, she says that she saw the news and hopped on over, which... Skipping right over that pun, I was like, well, why <laughs> didn't anyone else do that? Why well, is she maybe, the only Maybe she hero? was
0: really close. I don't know. They were aren't they all like kind of in
1: a secluded city? I don't know. no, I don't think so. This is like a metropolitan city. They weren't a big you know, they were all schmoozing with people on the ground, not well, too long. But what this. I mean
0: though was I I guess I was under the impression that they were like probably the I would guess those were the top three heroes there. Everyone else, I assumed, was like uh, local heroes, not like big name heroes. Yeah. So they may be. have seen the news and been like, "F that," <laughs> you know? Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> Compass Kid, man. He's just yeah, like, exactly. nah, "I'll sit this one out."
0: I think I'll stay home today. <laughs> Which way is
1: my lazy boy? And he spins around yeah. and points over there. Right. Um. So somewhere,
0: somewhere there was an ice guy that was like, "Honey, where's my suit?"
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think? That Dobby could have, if Mirko didn't interrupt, do you think Dobby could have bested Hawks in Endeavor? Assuming oh, that absolutely. Hawks wasn't doing the whole double agent thing.
0: Absolutely, no. And I don't think, I almost don't think Dobby would have cared about Hawks doing the double agent thing. Because yeah, he, he's joking with them. He's like telling them like, yeah, you know, like, I I don't know, two of the the number two heroes? I don't think I could kill you guys, but, and that's what Mirko jumps in i mean really they got lucky because i think dobby would have absolutely have wrecked their faces they were at the end of their ropes man there was no way they would have survived
1: yeah i think that he seems ruthless who dobby
0: yeah like i mean he seemed pretty ruthless i thought whenever he attacked i thought during the summer camp but i don't know something about him like facing down endeavor and hawks that he just seemed really terrifying to me like he did not care who they were what was going on, he was going to burn them to a
1: crisp. Well, and he, he's like, in the anime, set a bunch of people on fire in an alley once when he was recruiting under Stane's banner. Oh, that's Stane's right. Banner. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah so, that's yeah. right. He was just like, killing p- folks left and right.
1: Yeah, he's, he's definitely he's, uh, cold-blooded.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it kind of seems like he may not be 100% under Shigaraki's control. Like, he kind of seems like he's doing it because he has a mind of his own. Like, he's got his own agenda. Shigaraki just happens to be headed that same way right now. So, I don't know. He seems like a cool character.
1: Yeah, and he he gets out of there when Mirko comes onto the scene, and he says Ujiko, which is a name that I don't recall, but I do. Yeah, I do recognize this um, this form of te- teleportation. I think is what you might call it, with the goo coming out of their mouths because they Wasn't did that, that how at Camino.
0: Yeah, that was how they got Bakugo around, right?
1: That's how. Yeah, like you remember. Oh, what's his name? Um, The Kamui Woods had everybody in the Uh binding lacquer prison or whatever. And then this is how they all got out of there. They started vomiting and and then disappeared and it set All Might off real bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do remember that.
1: Um, So this is where we catch back up kind of after that scene with um, Hawks and Dobby in an alleyway. And Hawks is threatening Dobby with a feather sword. And I just have in my notes, just once, I want somebody to say that tickles. (laughs) if he does that just wants to just be like that too um and uh hawks is pretty upset with dobby because apparently the plan wasn't to assault them today at this place um but for hawks to bring some random strong hero to a warehouse down by the coast the next day and so he's like that wasn't that wasn't in the that wasn't the plan You, you, you are, you're lying. We need to have uh, a better relationship, uh, you know, marked by a little bit more trust and truth. Um, So he's frustrated and, and letting Dami know as much.
0: Yeah. But Dami almost seems frustrated himself because he's like, well, you weren't supposed to have the number one hero here. Like how, you know, this, I told you this was supposed to be a Nomu test. How am I supposed to get data off of fighting the number one hero? And Honks throws it back at him. Like, well, dude, your Nomu messed up the number one hero. I figured you'd be happy about that. And he says something like, well, yeah, but look at the levels here, you know, and and I mean, it seems like Dobby was wanting to see if he could kill like your everyday average hero is kind of what I gathered. Like, I think he was hoping that Hawks would sacrifice a hero. And he explains to Hawks that it's totally unreasonable for him to trust Hawks immediately. Like, it doesn't make any sense that they, they would be immediate friends. And so he's like, you know what, I'm going to do what I want.
1: Yeah, and he's Dobby's also upset that nobody died, and he he calls yeah Hawks he out does he that. mentions
0: that he's like how come no one died?
1: Yeah, and I think part of that is because Dobby sees that like the League of Villains' name is on this just by the very presence of a Nomu, and for that scale that large of a scale of a fight to happen and nobody died, almost looks like the League of Villains failed, um, yeah. even though that this was only quote unquote a test. Um, so yeah, he's just like, yo, which side are you on? And Hawks is explaining, I have to be the good hero and also the traitor at the same time. Like I have to be trusted by both. So, uh, and this is when Dobby's just like, well, yeah, you can't see the boss yet. Um, <laughs> and then walks off and this is where we start getting into the background of how it is that Hawks came to be this uh, double agent.
0: Yeah, we see him talking with some folks that, I think they were, you had mentioned that they might have been part of the people that set, like, the examination rules for the the hero courses, or the the hero exams, uh, for the licensing. Yeah, it's
1: the only other group of, like, bureaucrat-looking people that I can think of from the anime was the Hero Public Safety Commission. Um, Right. I think that this is them, I could be wrong, maybe there's another group of bureaucrats, but...
0: But they're, they're pretty much explaining to Hawks that, like, they needed him to become this double agent because he has super sharp eyes and ears, but also because they think that he is someone that can kind of ignore the crimes of the League of Villains. Like, he's not caught up in maybe, from what I could tell, getting caught, maybe. He didn't really care necessarily about the, you know, the the uh, I guess the publicity behind everything. Right, he right. just needs to be in there and getting the information. He's not going to be the person that's kind of, like, out in front of it all, like an Endeavor might be. Uh, so they need him to infiltrate, and their whole idea is that they want to be able to attack the League of Villains from the inside and the out because the Camino Ward was devastating to them. They underestimated the villain because they didn't have the information to make the right decisions. So this is where he's got to, to go in and do this for them.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, too, that one of the questions that they asked was, are these Nomu only able to be created through All-For-One's power? And that's a really important question right now, because all for one is in custody. So if they can sort that out, then they're like, all right, maybe we're dealing with a finite pool of of right. Um But if there's some other way that they're able to be manufactured, then we need to figure that out and go after the means of manufacture. Um, so I thought that that was a really interesting question to raise there.
0: Yeah, that, it really was, because they're definitely trying to get ahead of this, and they don't know where they are in this scheme either. They don't know if they're behind or ahead of the villains. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, because we get some kind of, like, thoughts from Hawks here, and I think it's really clear that he feels super bad that Endeavor was the one that got mixed up in this. You know, it's pretty clear that Endeavor took a pretty nasty hit from this Nomu. Um, at, but, I don't know. It's uh, I think, he, like, he was visiting him in the hospital when he's thinking all this, and... He's probably pretty lucky it was Endeavor, because if it was anyone else, they probably would have died.
1: Yeah. And he didn't intend for it to be Endeavor either. No. But no. now he's but, I mean, having to live have, in that bed, because that's, that's the one that he made. Huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, how would he have chosen anybody
1: else? Yeah. I was wondering who it is that he would go and grab. I mean, it would have to be somebody ranked. It's not going to go snag manual and be like, hey, bud, let's go down to the coast. Because <laughs> <laughs> that what is that going to prove?
0: Yeah. I mean, the only other person I could think of was maybe Miracle, because she was close enough. Maybe she was in town, too, for something. You know what I mean? I just... I don't know. That, that that was one of those things I was wondering. Like, I wonder who he would have chosen and how he would have chosen that. I wonder if maybe the executives were the ones that were like, oh, we drew a straw, so... Uh, yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> I like, too, that uh, Hawks kind of internally apologizes to Endeavor when he goes and visits him in the uh, hospital. Yeah. I mean, you, you get the yeah. sense from that scene alone that Hawks is just like wasn't supposed to be you, man. Um, yep. like, dude, you, you drew the short stick for sure. Yeah, and then we get this really short scene, too, where Dobby does remember Snatch, um, and he says, oh, right, that Snatch, um, and he has this, he remembers that particular fight where Snatch says something along the lines of, have you ever stopped to think about the families that got to live with, uh, or the feelings of those that they left behind, or something like that. And Dobby says, I've thought so much about that that I've gone crazy. And like a little blood leaks out from around the stitches under his eye. But it's not like from a tear duct. It's like oozing. Like I couldn't figure out what the significance of that might have been.
0: Yeah, it was weird because I didn't think it had anything to do with like overexhaustion from his power. It was just like he pressed
1: into it. It was almost like he popped like a blood blister or something. You know, it was weird. In the manga, it actually says ooze. Um, oh, I'm really looking huh. at it. Yeah. So it's not like a tear. At least I don't think it is. Anyway. Um, Dude, those, those stitched up pieces are freaky to me. Like that, that
0: has got to feel so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we switch over to where, um, Endeavor seems to have recovered fairly well. And, um, I noticed too, for the first time, because sometimes I'm slow on, uh, absorbing certain details, but he now has a scar over his left eye, just like Todoroki does.
0: Oh yeah. 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 That's, that's kind of highlighted too, because, uh, Whatever. Well, we'll get to it in a few minutes. This is two days later. That's Endeavor and Hawks are basically leaving the hospital. And, you know, they're talking about this Nomu attack. And it's kind of funny because Endeavor is like, you know, it's really weird that this Nomu hit us the moment we came into town, like both of us, almost the top heroes. There's something kind of weird happening here, I think. And Hawks is like, ah, you know, we were walking through the city in broad daylight, and it's probably pretty obvious that we were going to be together. Maybe they just thought it was a great moment to take out both of us. I mean, when are they going to get a better chance? Which I thought was ironic, since here is another chance. You know, like they're <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> literally not even dressed up, right? Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> It's funny because Hawk internally says, that was exactly why I did that. I needed an excuse. I needed an alibi in case. Uh, So, you know, he's telling Endeavor, like, you know, I think I want to contact the research team that's looking into the League of Villains and see if maybe we can help them somehow. And uh, endeavor is like, well, be careful. Bye. <laughs> they pretty much
1: go their way. Well, Hawks makes this snide comment about like, oh, you aren't considerate like that though, right? And this yeah. is where endeavor goes like, I'll I'll burn you alive, you bastard, or something like that. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. How dare you say I care? Um, but then we like almost immediately after this, there's a little bit of stuff between this and and uh, him returning home to be with his family, but relatively close to him being like, kind of pantomiming that he doesn't care putting on that facade he goes and he cares um about his family um, but
0: there's some weird there's some weird dialogue there too i, I want to cover that in a minute yeah but before we get there uh we get some like really interesting background on hawks like we get this scene where it seems like there was a really bad car wreck on like i-40 or something and a uh, bad you know bus pile up and all these people were going to be heavily injured but there was a kid that was able to save everybody and we see this like what would you say like 8 to 12 year old hawks with the full set of wings and holding like a little endeavor doll
1: yeah he's he was real young I don't remember what um what age quirks are supposed to hit like 5, 6 something like that he's probably yeah. not too far beyond that
0: I didn't think so. Yeah, I I would definitely peg them like 8 to 12 probably. Uh, But they are like thrilled with this kid. They're like, hey, you know, we're going to give you a proposition here. Why don't we take care of you? Give your family a whole bunch of money. We've got to raise you to be a hero. Like you don't have an option. You're going to be too good. So it seems like Hawks has been kind of like this cog in this machine for a long time now.
1: I will say, too, that I... uh have a different reading on one of the things that he said early on when we first met him in season four. And he says something very similar here today, kind of at the end of this scene, he says uh, a world where heroes have too much time on their hands. And I think initially I'd taken that as like, he's just doesn't like to be in here. He doesn't like the work. Um, but what he's really saying is I don't want heroes to have to be necessary. Um, and and he's going to do all that he can. He talks about, he's going to do it with his own trademark speed. Um in the in the manga is the phrasing that he uses. So he's he's got a noble goal, and the the goal that he has is one that is so important to him, that he's willing to do this thing that is a very drastic measure. It's a very dirty means to to possibly even obtaining that goal, um, being this double agent. So I really like that. Um, it, it changes my opinion of him a little. I still don't like him nearly as much as you do.
0: I think he's a cool character, and the fact that he's a double agent gives him a little bit more of a dynamic personality. I think because he he has to put on that facade in front of his friends. I mean, like fact of the matter is, he got Endeavor hurt, and he has to live with that. Yeah, and he he's doing that knowing that it is going to be for the greater good. And having that heavy burden, like, I don't know, it just may, it gives me a bit of respect for him. Like, I don't know, that's something I could do. You know, that's, that's pretty intense uh, to be able to live with yourself, letting, knowing that you one of your close friends and coworkers, allies got, Pretty badly injured, really. I mean, even though they they healed him up quickly, he still was permanently scarred, uh, which you know kind of leads us right into this scene where he arrives at home and he, like I, you said, he he does have this huge scar over his eye. And Todoroki actually says, "Huh, nice scar." Yeah, and I thought that's that was pretty scar. funny. Yeah. And
1: then, then there's that palpable tension again. Yeah. <laughs> where I wanted to just... be. I just have in my notes twinsies. Um. <laughs>
0: Was it just me, or, or did it seem like Endeavor was drawn kind of weirdly
1: in some of these scenes?
0: Like he he kind of just looks like a giant blockhead. Yeah, like he they definitely didn't give him a lot massive. of definition. It's weird.
1: There's a the moment where uh, the uh, Natsu is Natsu is trying to leave, and Endeavor puts his hand on his shoulder, and I was like, oh my god, it's like a the Hulk putting his hand on a child. I mean, his yeah. hand was huge.
0: And like his son, I would guess he's probably a 18 going on 20-ish something, you know, like he's in that range. He's a lot, he seems older than Todoroki or, well, Shoto yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, and he's like, you know, probably shoulder height to his father. So I I mean, Endeavor's got to be huge.
1: Yeah. And that make, And that makes some sense. He's, he's always been a very imposing figure and we've seen like he's got a freaking weight room in his house and he uses yeah, it frequently. Yeah. He set it on fire one time. He was so angry. I think it... When was that? It had something to do with All Might he got all upset about. Was it after um, All Might um, was exposed as uh, Jinko jeans? Was that after that? I can't remember. Maybe. I don't know.
0: You know, to be fair, I feel like he would do that at the slightest bit of anything, really. Like, he spilled his coffee in the morning, he would light his gym on fire. <laughs> yeah. It's probably just a regular occurrence. He probably has, like, super good insurance for his house.
1: Yeah. Well, you can see that, uh, oh, shoot, what's the sister's name?
0: It's, uh, oh, it's like Fumuya?
1: Uh, Fuyumi. Is that it? I, I was Fuyumi. pretty close. Um, I think you could be right still. I can't see, I don't see it anywhere in the manga, but she has tried to go out of her way to kind of arrange for this little bit of a family reunion. She's very optimistic. She goes on to talk about a little later that she's optimistic because Endeavor seems to be making some efforts and Todoroki is visiting his mom and had, and the mom is smiling for the first time. in as long as any of them can, can remember, but Natsu still can't handle it. And Shortly after Endeavor arrives on the scene, he stomps out, and Endeavor stops him with his giant hand, and uh, it's like Kendo's hand on this guy's shoulder. (laughs) Um, Yeah, totally. And Endeavor says, you know, if you've got anything to say, just say it. And Natsu says, I only found out today that Shoto likes Soba because you didn't want him to have anything to do with us failures. Um, And he's like, Mom and Sis seem ready to forgive you, but I don't think that you've changed. You know, we had to suffer through Mom's screams and Shoto's cryings and whatever happened to Toya. And I really like that he's still struggling with this, that it isn't easy for for him, um, or really for any of them, um, that this isn't just a, oh, he's the number one hero, so we're all cool with him now. That Like, that right. would have been very, very false. Um, and so I like that Natsu is really still struggling with this. And Todoroki says the same thing. Like, he's willing to concede some things to Endeavor right now, but he's still not ready, he says, to forgive him. Um, you know, they're still... A lot of growth and um, some some healing to take place in and amongst this entire family. Really,
0: there is, but you know he he does say something to his dad along the lines of like I've seen what a small change can do, so I'm curious to see where this is going to go. Um, and you know I think it, it's it's kind of weird here because there's a lot of bits where like Endeavor is kind of self monologuing, talking about like how he knows he's screwed up and he has all this baggage and like he knows he's got a lot to make up for. But then he's like, "But I'm not going to apologize after all this time." And then he's like, "Oh, but I probably should go make it up the Natsu." So it's like this like a lot of back and forth it seems like. Like he's struggling really hard on what he needs to do to move forward. But as he's like standing there in the doorway that the news kind of is, is broadcasting him in like very good light. I mean, they're interviewing all these people that were at the scene of this Nomu attack and they're talking about how heroic he was. And there's even like this kid that's become a meme named the yeah. look boy, you know, and it's just the kid that was pointing out Endeavor uh, being a hero. And so like, there are these folks that are like, yeah, you know, I used to be a fan of so-and-so, but I mean, I got to choose Endeavor now. I mean, he saved my life. And so this is where Shoto says, huh, it'll be the age of Endeavor then. And then and he tells him like you know the small change thing, and so this is uh he, where he says you know I'm willing to give you a shot. Let's let's see where this
1: goes. Yeah, and I I do want to to clarify one thing. He doesn't endeavor doesn't say I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize. What he says is I'm not gonna ask for forgiveness. Um, sure, that's
0: what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: slightly different thing, but, but sure, 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 yeah. And I, I also just very quickly about the news segment thing. There was uh, there was a lot of stuff going on in that. I really like the meme, uh, the look boy meme, yeah. uh, that comes up, but there's a lady who mentions look boy and gets interrupted by this disturbing human being form of dark shadow. Did you notice that?
0: Yeah. I, what was that?
1: <laughs> I, I'm some dude that has the very similar shape to dark shadow. And I was like, if dark shadow put on like a skin suit, like out of Texas chainsaw massacre, that's what that guy would look like. <laughs> yeah. It was really weird. I was totally taken out of the anime when I saw it. I was like, what in the world was that? (laughs) That's funny. So let's wrap up. We're going to go probably a little long in this episode, it looks like. But it's our first time back uh, to the anime, and we're having so much fun. We're
0: excited to talk about it, yeah.
1: We are. And there's there's no blitzing through the very end of this episode, um, where Deku explains that he, after a long day of training with uh, one for all that he is gone to bed without bathing, which I, I was like, well, that seems like an unnecessary detail, but maybe it's just because they were like, yeah, he really worked with one for all until like to the point of exhaustion, I guess. Uh, and he has a dream where he is all wrapped in the, like this black mist. Uh, that He's comes like, up like another plane of existence. It's pretty yeah. cool. It comes up, uh, covers up over his nose and mouth. So he can't speak, um, it takes away his legs. So he doesn't seem to be able to move, but for some reason, his right hand, is free maybe that i mean i don't know why I, I think it's his is it his right hand at the end of the episode that is all glowy at the end i think
0: it i think it is my so my theory is the parts of him that he had been using the most of his powers with so he's got the most practice with his hands because he was flicking his fingers from the beginning
1: yeah okay i guess that's a uh let's see yeah it is his uh his right hand uh when he wakes up so anyway um He sees Nana Shimura and a bunch of others that he doesn't know, um, but he recognizes them in part because he knows that he saw them uh, at the sports fest, but he can see them a lot more clearly now.
0: Did you notice that there were like four that he could see really well? And the further along it went, the like more faded they became until I think it was like the last two. You couldn't even, you could tell they were human, but there were no facial features at all, like no features to their body at all. It makes me wonder if there's a bit of like a, like, a limit on how many, like, how much memory it has, you know? Like, is it slowly fading those out so that way you can bring All Might in and then eventually Midoriya?
1: Yeah. I'm not sure, but uh, he, he says there's seven, eight, including me, um, and then he's wondering where this last person is when he recognizes All for One's voice, and uh, they, there's this really long discussion that takes place between All for One and the first possessor of, all, of One for All.
0: Yeah, the uh, I I listed him as LB in my notes, little brother, Okay. they don't yeah, they don't fair. give him a name. Uh but he's he's trying to like kind of get on to all for one. He's telling him like, "Look, you you can't just use your your meta powers to drive your self-interest. You can't just be doing these things while the world is in such chaos. Like things are going insane right now. What are you doing?" And and, and he somewhere this...
1: stain was clapping. Right, exactly. Yeah.
0: And, you know, the one note I have about the little brother, he looks a lot like Shigaraki to me, and it makes me wonder if they're related. That's what, like, I, in my notes, <laughs> I've got all for one's little brother looks like Shigaraki, comma, related, question mark?
1: Definitely. <laughs> well, we know that Shigaraki is related to Nana Shimura. So. It's got,
0: like, I mean, all for one's got to be like her great-great-grandfather. I'm yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this is his uncle. Yeah. great-great. <laughs> but anyways, he's getting on to his older brother, and there's this weird thing where, like, all for one takes these two people. One has a quirk and one doesn't. And the person with the quirk has kind of like, I'm going to say deformed quirk. I mean, it's like his jaw has got like these massive spikes that are make him scary at the time. And so people don't want to look at him. People don't want to be around him. And then the Not other even guy. even his
1: parents, who he's like in charge of and is taking care like, of.
0: Yeah, like they're elderly and he's trying to take care of them and they don't want anything to do with them. Uh, and all he wants to do is take care of his family, right? So the other guy, though, was attacked by people that had meta powers, and he wants to be able to protect himself. So All For One takes the powers from the guy with fangs and gives it to the other, and in basically says, like, okay, well, now that I've done this, I want you to be indebted to me. You know, if I need you, come to me. And they both agree to it. And his little brother's like, dude, you are just you just added to your lackeys. That's all you're doing. You're taking advantage of these people. And he's twisted it. He's telling everyone, like, no, like, if you, if you accept my way and if you'll be indebted to me, I'll give you the choice to have a quirk. Or I'll forgive all yeah. your sins if you use them incorrectly. You know, like, he is manipulating folks and he's trying to get, basically, an army, a, a, like a support group for himself and it appears to pay off.
1: Yeah, and, and what's really neat about the way that he's talking about this, and it's very manipulative, right? I mean, he's basically Robin Hooding quirks a little bit um, in exchange for loyalty. Now, why he would want the quirkless guy to be loyal to him, I'm not entirely sure, but I mean, it's still a resource. Um, it's
0: support. I mean, you yeah. know, if you've got the folks that are quirkless and the folks that have quirks supporting you, you don't have anyone talking bad about you. You can control it from all angles,
1: you know? Yeah, I mean, because eventually the potential is that Everybody, you know, would be one of those two people, right? Right, um, exactly. But yeah, he says that I see people who need help and I use my power to help them. And that's when LB, as you call him, says that that's equivocating. You're just you're just creating an army. You're adding all these lackeys. And uh, All for One says, in this world, which has lost the human form, I can bring order with my power. And uh, this is when LB rushes in after AFO, um, gets, gets pinned by a bodyguard, which... Surely we'll learn more about that later. It seemed a random thing to just drop in here. Um,
0: he also kind of looked like Hero Killer Stain. Not that it's relevant. I don't think there's any connection, but yeah. like his,
1: he's dressed up similarly. All for One continues his discussion. He says, without power, you can't reason with anyone. and Which is not... It's not good. That's not, I, Of all of the things that he said, I really didn't like that point the most. Um, because with power, you don't have to reason. That's kind of what he's showing... Is that with when you have power there, you don't have to necessarily reason because he literally just then forces a quirk onto the guy that he couldn't reason with anymore. Um, so you know, LB is holding back, not wanting to, uh, you know, have a power, not wanting to participate in all for one schemes, and then instead of reasoning any further, he just says, Well, I have power, I don't have to reason, and so he just straight up forces this quirk on uh, LB, which is almost a direct contradiction of without power, you cannot reason with anyone. He doesn't reason at all. He just, he bypasses reason, discussion, uh, dialogue, uh, cooperation, all of that things, uh, all of those things, because precisely because he has power.
0: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens here and a lot of scary stuff too, because it seems like there are some oppositions that rise against his way of life. And his people, like the people that support him like blow up a building and kill a bunch of these folks and he's talking to his little brother and he says you know I didn't tell them to go do that I didn't demand that they do that they just acted in the way that I would want them to like that's true power they're just doing what he would want without even asking so he he's almost guilt free well I, I never said to do that you know it's that's a scary place for someone to be and it's funny because he references like this comic book that him and his brother used to read and I guess he never finished them because his little brother is like yeah but you know in the other volumes a hero shows up and the bad guy always loses and this is when you know his his brother apparently has been trying to protest and hasn't been eating and so he's very frail looking and all for one is like well I found a quirk that's going to work for you and so just like you said without reason he forces some quirk on him which I suppose we now know to be the
1: one that he's passing on i I envisioned lb like doing that move where you push your glasses up on the bridge of your nose when he's like, well, you only read until volume three. And he makes <laughs> yeah. this like really nerdy <laughs> point. <laughs> uh, there's more to this story. In, in that world ruled yeah. by the demon king, a hero of justice struggled in agony and saved the world in the end. And he's like, the bad guy always loses. That's what you miss. Um, but this is where All for One just says, you know, reality reality doesn't follow a standard formula. The reality where you don't bend to me, I'm going to remake that. And then that's when he forces this quirk on him.
0: And then the first appears to Midoriya, and he says some interesting stuff because he's like, you know, I really want to show you more of this, but you're barely at 20%. And he says, you're long past the singularity point, but we'll be fine. And you're not alone. And it's weird because then he like wakes up and his window breaks. So the first person that possessed this powers has a bunch of mysterious stuff. And then Midoriya wakes up.
1: Yeah. And this is much better portrayed in the manga because, um, the last couple pages of, of this particular, uh, chapter is, um, a page that is bisected in half by a vertical, um, frame, uh, you know, uh, line. And on the right side is the you're not alone in all black, but then you're in Aoyama's bedroom and he hears this loud thumb and there's a jolt and everything seems to shake. And he's like, Hey Midoriya, it's a little bit late for this racket you're making. Right. And he opens this door and sees Midoriya on his bed. And the, his bed has like been blown nearly in half. Um, oh wow. And he's, he's clutching his right arm and there's just everything in the room is disheveled. There's posters hanging off the wall. There's damage to the wall it looks like there's like lightning cackling or uh, crackling around where his hand is, his desk chairs thrown over there are scorch marks on the floor. The only thing that isn't broken is the window, which I thought was strange uh, because that definitely was the, the damage dealt in the anime. Um, but yeah, he's <laughs> the he's director cl-
0: for that episode was like, yeah, I want that except the opposite of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everything <laughs> else is fine. Just a window. Um, <laughs> but he's looking at his right hand um, and it's wreathed kind of like it, uh, it, it used to like when he was charging it up to flick the baseball and all that kind of stuff that that energy the cowling it's that same uh that same look but it's it's really uh like centralized it's just on his hand it's not all over his body and it seems to either be frightening midoriya or um his i mean his eyes are large so i think that there's some measure of fright or uh, or a lack of understanding of what's actually going on and i'm sure that that will be answered in episode 91 because in the post credit scene we hear him say that he's confused by the changes in the One for All, so he goes and talks to All Might, and I'm sure that we'll get some, some direction out of that. But that's not the only I thing so. that we learned from the post-credit scenes either.
0: I didn't. Was there something else? I guess I didn't catch it, if so.
1: Yeah, that Class 1A and Class 1B are going to fight, bro.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I did see that. That is pretty exciting. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were talking about like, the powers or something. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm excited to see them throw down. And we, we know that Uh, it seems Shinzo. like there's going to be a special guest, so yes. it's got to be Shinzo. Yeah. Uh, I'm
1: so excited about that.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I was going to ask you, is this the first time we've seen someone in Class 1A, like, I'm going to say, quote unquote, uh, lose control of their power, like, in the middle of their sleep or something?
1: In the middle of their sleep, yes. Because that's a,
0: that's a pretty big thing in the X-Men world. And yeah. this is, you know, I feel like there's a lot of X-Men connections here, so.
1: Yeah, in the middle of their sleep, yes. In, like, in general, no, because Tokoyami's lost control of Dark Shadow a couple times. Sure,
0: that's true. That's
1: true. Let's uh, let's finish this up with uh, a couple of segments. I know that we're we're going a little long, but it'll, it'll be all good. So, the first thing I wanted to ask you about was, have you seen the trailer for the third movie?
0: I have, yeah. I actually watched it earlier today, and I gotta say, I'm a little pissed off that they are even <laughs> making a movie as far ahead as they are. Like, come on, guys. The show is not even that close. It seems like this is seasons ahead. Now, the, the outfits are super cool looking, I'll give you that, but like let me k- catch up do the do the freaking show and then do the movies you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean uh queen jess and the discord talked about how she thinks that this third movie takes place not that long after the second one and that the second one took place after season 5 possibly even after season 6 uh so it's out there which is you know a little disadvantageous for those of us who are uh, anime primarily um you know we we're digging into the manga but only at the pace that the anime moves so, for folks who are current with the uh the manga, then this is overdue um th- These movies are probably gonna take place somewhere in the past or or um relatively close to where they are in in that particular time uh but for us you know who are uh anime only folks, it is a little frustrating um because we worry that we're gonna sit down and watch something and. Uh, not have important plot details or have something terribly large spoiled for us. We had minor spoilers when we watched the f- second movie because of Endeavor's scar. The anime hadn't gotten to that point yet, um, but it was it was close to that. I mean, it, that movie might take place even further away. Um, but I think two or three weeks after the orig- the second movie came out, we saw the high end NOMU fight and no- knew that Endeavor got that scar that way. So it was close-ish, you know?
0: Yeah, us plebs that only watched the show.
1: Yeah, I'm still excited about it. Um, I, I do. It's my understanding that um, the the three musketeers, So Go, Todoroki, and Midoriya, all take an internship under Endeavor, um, and Endeavor's team is deployed. It looked like I saw Hawks' team too. I know I saw Hawks um, and Tokoyami, and those two are paired up together. I believe. So a couple of hero agencies working together. To, there's mention of a time limit of a couple of hours. Um, somebody who's talking about possibly a society where there are no quirks again, I think, if I'm remembering the verbiage correctly. So it looked a little cultish at the beginning, too. Um, I'm curious to see what this villain is. If he has a quirk, it seems like it would could be in contradiction to the philosophy that he's espousing. If he does have one and uses it um but maybe he's using it as a means to an end to eradicate all quirks forever who knows um i think it's gonna be super awesome it comes out this summer august i think or maybe july i can't remember
0: maybe we'll be able to meet up and go see it in theaters
1: we could man i watched Broly the other day and i missed you bro
0: yeah yeah no for sure i've been wanting to load
1: up some of those uh dbz movies so it'd be a good time that'd be cool And the last thing I wanted to do, um, and we had talked briefly about this in episode 73 of the AMP, was I had posed the question, could uh, Koichi at the end of episode 86 of the Vigilantes manga beat up, or who would win in a fight, episode 86 of the Vigilantes manga Koichi or chapter 86 of My Hero uh, Deku, if they got into a two enters, but only one can leave kind of
0: UFC octagon fight, fight, you know,
1: no holds barred kind of thing. And uh, there were some really interesting discussions about that in the Discord. Just very briefly, um, both Tomac and Oreo initially uh, sided with Koichi, um, and they had a host of reasons why they thought Koichi would actually win that fight. You And and I, pretty
0: good reasons, too. I I respected their argument.
1: You know, you and I had, uh, on episode 73 of the AMP, had both sided with Midoriya, um, and I had explained, you know, Midoriya at the end of 86 didn't have shoot style, but did have full cowling. Um, and presumably could still flick and all that kind of stuff. So we picked him. Uh, Tomak and Oreo talked about how Koichi would try to keep things at a distance and uh, be very hit and run. There was some discussion about uh the environment could possibly be a major factor, like Koichi would have a better shot in an urban environment as opposed to in a forest, where Midori's mobility just has more uh more it has more options um you know, Koichi needs a lot of services, and I don't think Midoriya does. Uh, And then we ended up, Oreo ended up flipping um, because he thought that shoot style came along with full cowling. And when I said, no, full cowling came first, shoot style came like 20 chapters later. So he still could do 5%, Deku could, by 86. And so he thought that that put Midoriya in the lead. But then I reached out to LJ Hollywood, one of our uh, friends who is one of the co-hosts for. Uh, the uh, go uh, not go beyond pod for hero notes. And I pinged him. I tagged him in our discord. I said, I'd be curious to hear what LJ Hollywood has to say about this. And he said this, and this is as far as I'm concerned, this is the argument is over because I was at work when I, when he answered back and I laughed out loud and people were like, what's so funny. And I couldn't really tell them (laughs) succinctly because LJ Hollywood responded in our discord. And he said, my money is on Koichi Midoriya would never be able to smash a limited edition all might hoodie to pieces. Yeah, and I was just like, "Freaking a!" That is Midoriya's kryptonite, and Koichi's straight up wearing it into fi- into the battle. Yep. So I was super impressed by that answer, and I uh, I don't know, maybe I'm on the Koichi side of things now.
0: Yeah, no, I I like after I read that, I was like, he's got a great point because excellent
1: point. Well, I think that will finally uh, do us for episode seventy-five of the A.M.P. We will uh come back in just two weeks uh, after this one airs and cover episodes three and four of I think season it'll actually five actually episodes 91 and 92.
0: I think it'll be three weeks. The 27th will be the next drop, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because we've got to wait this, this coming uh, weekend uh, and then the following weekend for the two more episodes. So yep, the 27th, uh, or sorry, the 26th, Monday the 26th will be the next episode drop.
1: Yeah, well just keep your eyes on the Twitter. We usually post about Almighty Mondays and and uh you know, f- give us a follow there, go give us a, a good review on iTunes if you don't mind. Uh, if you go to the Twitter, you can find a link to our discord where you can jump into that channel and have conversations with us. Um, we're fairly active in there, and so are other members of our uh, little but growing and awesome community. So we'd love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. And in that case, we'll see you all in a few weeks. See you guys.
0: almighty podcast is brought to you by the back patio network you can follow us on twitter at almighty pod or follow at back patio net for all network news if you enjoyed what you heard go check out our patreon patreon.com back patio network you can help support the network get access to early episodes and lots of other great stuff if you want to get to know us come hang out in our discord channel we have lots of fun and would love to have you in there my name is adam and you can follow me on twitter at the real simso s-i-m-s-o